Well, good evening. Well, I always start anymore with good evening. I start really good morning, wherever you are in the world. Good afternoon. Now, good evening, because morning precedes evening, right? Well, not in Genesis. Evening precedes morning. But here we are again. This is Wild What a Show. I am Phyllis, your host, and uh, we're going to begin uh, this evening a new uh, a continued series. So sorry about that. We're going to just continue with something we already started um, because there are so many um, aspects to living out and grasping hold of a relationship with the Lord such that you are successful at it. And by successful, I simply mean that you're living the benefits of salvation and that you're growing more and more in those awarenesses, beliefs, understanding, faith, the whole thing, obedience to the Lord, just living, living as a reborn, rebought person in Christ Jesus. So uh, we're going to continue that tonight. And got to tell you, I am kind of in a, um, I'm kind of like caught in a direction here and I want to do the best that I can at it. So I didn't do what I thought I would do. And that is tonight begin a new series. um, And that would have been reading through the gospel of, um, through the gospel. So forgive me, reading through the book, the book by James Baldwin. It's called The Fire Next Time. James Baldwin is an African-American author. I think he was born like in 1924, something like that. He died in 1987. I actually met him one year, exactly one year before his death. And that uh, I heard him, you know, in a, a literary house in Camden here. And he gave a, a little talk and a discussion of his career. Um, he apparently was ill at that time. But after the presentation, his talk, I went up to him and I said, I really would love to have lunch with you. And he said, I'll be in Philadelphia next year in the winter. And I was really, I mean, just was consistent with this person that I had uh, known, you know, as a study, right? He's so like down to earth, so intelligent, so quick, so witty. And I know my mother actually loved him. She read everything he read. I hadn't read everything that he uh, wrote, but I had read um, Into Another Country, you know, a couple of his novels. And then I had also seen a play that he wrote. So I was fascinated, though, by his talent. And um, he fascinated even more when he said, I'll be in Philadelphia And I thought, oh, my gosh, will this man really have lunch with me? And so I looked out for him to come, but um, he didn't come because he actually died the following day, that same year. I think he died, too, in like April or March or something like that. And so he never got back to Philadelphia. I never got to have lunch with him. However, just the encounter uh, left an impression on me such that I never forget James Baldwin. And I told my children about him because, you know, he was born during a, a very difficult time for Af- Black people in this country. Um, and with his brilliance, he should have been a really respected writer. And eventually, I think he has become to be that. But the struggles of our lives when we are the oppressed in a nation are uh, vast and and wide. And Tony Ritchie, a uh, good evening, Donnie. Hi there. Um, Donnie, uh, D- Tony Ritchie gave testimony to the fact that he's from, you know, such a background. Uh, I don't know about the oppression so much, but the poverty, the lack, you know, and um, that is hard. That's really hard. So I want to read one of uh, James Baldwin's books because in the book, he exposes his experience with the church. For about two and a half years, he actually was a young preacher. And he saw behind the scenes the workings of 
other so-called ministers and leaders, and he became very disenchanted with the whole thing. And he uh, wrote, and I haven't read everything, so I don't know if he totally gave it up, if he ever came back, I don't know. But in this one book, he describes the charlatan-like um, behaviors of these people, and he gave it all up, right? Hi there, teen. So it's just us chickens, right? And as so you can talk to me, you can say whatever you like. Of course, you can on any night when there's more than us chickens. I, I, I really uh, invite it. <clears throat> so James Baldwin, I want to read the book of fire next time. And so I didn't start tonight chiefly because I, I don't feel totally ready. But I also wanted to let uh, everyone know that, that I want to read this book. And um, a friend has promised to help help me read it. Anyone else who wants to read it, it it's the book I have is not divided into chapters, so we would have to just kind of give stopping points. You know, it it's a very small. Well, my book is what maybe four and a half by I don't know seven or something like that. It's a tiny book, and there are about one hundred and eighteen pages, which means that if this were on eight and a half by eleven manuscript even folded in half, it would probably be, the book would probably be um, far fewer pages than that. So it's not a very long book, but it is a treatise of sort. And so I think it's important to read it because we're in this series, living your faith, grasping hold, and knowing that you know it's a day-by-day continuation of your faith of the belief in God and believing his words, whatever his promises are, the Bible tells us that they are both yea and amen in Jesus Christ. And we pray, you know, to God, we give him our petitions and he knows our our longings and our hungerings and our lack and our need. And if you don't really trust him for everything, literally everything, even the hurt and the pain, the resolution of all things, you can you can uh, fall back, as I have heard a few people say, you know, or and observed another few people live. People do not necessarily, I believe, understand how to be fully connected to God, how to really attain such a faith that will never, ever let you go. And I have to tell you also that sometimes it feels like he does let you go. But that's because of our particular way of thinking about God and our way of wanting to have our way, our way of not thinking that we are uh, deserving to suffer. We should not have to do this. Like we, we deserve better than this. Maybe because we've worked really hard, gone to school, done whatever, whatever, right? Uh, so the fact that a man considers himself worthy of something uh, greater than what he's receiving, <laughs> to me, is a testimony of his lack of understanding of himself definitely in the face of who God is and what God has done. That death didn't come for good folks who didn't need the redemption. That death on the cross by Jesus Christ came for the whole world, so saith the book of the John, right, right in the beginning. He died for the whole world. And why? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory. And I I'll contemplate that. If I sin, if I have fallen short in the face of this wonderful almighty God who is willing to die for me, then whatever he allows in my life is for my own uh maturing and perfecting so that I become more like him well and the the image that we are being mentored by the person of the son Jesus Christ for the word tells us that we shall grow up to the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ and that's just an amazing thing that we would uh have that uh capability that empowerment, the possibility if, of being really, really, really considered the children of God, to me, is amazing. 
I don't know how it could be that God would love me like that, but he has. And I accept that love. I remember when my mother used to tell me, well, she told me once that um, I believed in miracles. And I looked at her. I was really surprised because I said, well, that's what you taught me. You taught me to believe in miracles. I therefore believe in miracles. And the miracle of my rebirth is not just for me a matter of belief. It is for me a matter of experience. I lived through that rebirth and I'm still living. And the change in me is a witness and a testimony of God's power to do something quite, quite wonderful. Something that only he can do because as much as we try to teach and uh, help folks come to an understanding of this, that, and the other. It only happens when the light bulb of the Holy Spirit shines and you see yourself and you see Christ and God and you understand that you are really falling short, that there is a great dearth in you for the righteous way. And so that is a miracle. It is the greatest of miracles. Tonight, I just want to say to you, we're going to read the fire next time. And hopefully, oh Lord, please, it will be, uh, we'll start next week. But for tonight, I'm going to delve more into the living church. He is Eden. Uh, welcome to you. It is so good to have you here. And I, I want you, you as, uh, you know, participants in this podcast, this fellowship that we have going, I want you to write to me your thoughts about anything that I say. I mean, when I say that, I'm really serious. I think the fellowship of believers has to be an interchange. One cannot just sit and listen to other folks telling them about what to do and et cetera all the time. We together make up, I believe, uh, uh, just a small portion of the mind of Christ. But when we never hear from each other, perspective, spiritual perspective is not heard. And yet it is so valuable. So I really would love to hear it. Not only that, you may know a whole lot more about something that I am you know, trying my darn, my best to uh, talk about. And so if you do, I have no problem having you, you know, express that. Uh, and, and of course, as, as children of God, we don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Um, we are all born again, and we've been dealt a measure of faith to do the thing that God has called us to do. That's every one of his reborn children, not just any one person who happens to, in a moment, be um in you know in the in the teaching position or in the telling position, um, so please by all means share. I do indeed want to hear it tonight. I want to remind us that we are the church. Truly, we are the church, and I'm so glad that I um, still listen to Dr. J. Vernon Key. So I'm going to really quote him a little bit. He looked at the book of Ephesians. He stuck, you know, I, I went on today. Um, he's actually in Psalms, but I wanted to hear about Ephesians. And so I, you know, I moved forward and I listened to him. And I love the way he introduced the book. I do. I would love to just play his teaching on this for all of us to hear together. But I can't do that, you know, copyright and then the just the sheer technical logistics of it is beyond me. But um, he said this and I grabbed hold to it. He said in the book of Ephesians, you know, in the world of those of biblical scholars, they talk about this high and lofty book. And God's word is amazing like that. I mean, you read it and you just can soar to the, you can just soar beyond the realm of what we call earth and, you know, our own atmosphere. You go someplace really divine. And he's, they're talking about you. these two books, Ephesians and Revelations. Oh my goodness, who can know them? He said, but let me tell you, in my uh, quest to, to understand the Bible, he wrote a book called uh, the, um, what do you call it? The uh, 
brief of the Bible, mm, sort of like an overview. So what he did was outlined each uh, each book. And he said, when you get to Ephesians and Revelation, they're very logical. They're laid out just right. So all you have to do is follow the words that are written there to get the outline. And in the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, he says, are the heavenly calling of this thing called the church, this amazing um, institution that God has created. And then in the last three chapters, there are only six chapters in the book, is uh, the, 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 the feet of the church on the earth, on the ground in the earth. That's what grabbed my attention. We all know that it is a high and lofty thing that God has given to us. We know that salvation has something to do with an other world. We know that there is the hope and the expectation of heaven in the heavenly spiritual realm. We know that that is beyond the earth. What I don't quite know that every one of us is aware of is that we are we are seated in heavenly places even while we are in the earth the 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 positioning of us spiritually is exactly that but the positioning of us also spiritually is in the earth so he says our feet are on the ground. Now, what does that say to me? Tell me what it says to you. That good evening rings, good evening. That says to me that I ought to be walking here now with my father. I should be taking this gospel. And the apostle Paul literally walked he walked and he walked and he walked and he walked from place to place and he took the gospel. He wrote also that I become all things to all people that I might win some. And that says that he took the boundaries of uh, separation uh, out of the picture. In other words, he didn't become them in terms of going back uh, to a um relationship with God that was one of, you know, I don't know, atheism or unbelief or, you know, whatever it had been before. But he was among other people, such as Jesus Christ was, that he might win them for Christ. In other words, he presented himself not above them, not different than they are, just as a man who knows Christ. And you know what, before I even really um, kind of dissected that that at all, it has always been, you know, since I got some real wisdom going on, my um, my relationship with other people is as if they're already born again. And I suppose that's because I, I probably don't really know how to talk to people if they don't believe in God. I don't know. But when I meet anyone, if I want them in Christ, I begin to talk to them as if they are in Christ. Now, I don't go and say, you ought to know the Bible or you are not, not that at all. I just share with them out of who I am, which assumes, I hope to them, that I believe that they are already there. You know the Lord, at least you've heard of him. And let me tell you, wonder of wonders, there are many a person who has not heard. I was at a high school. I worked at a high school for eight years. Oh, well, not eight, but whatever. And um, <clears throat> my young children, those students there, many of them didn't even know who Jesus Christ was. Well, many. I'm assuming many because some told me that, right? And these children live in the um, culture of other philosophers, philosophies, the five percenters, the Muslims. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on there. But they didn't know Jesus Christ. But they knew me. And in knowing me, when they finished with our, you know, we, we separated, they should have known Jesus Christ. Because guess what? I am born again of the Spirit of God through the death 
and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His spirit lives in me and wherever I am, he also is, which means that there is no place I can be that he is not. And in that I take myself really to be his own child. I'm always aware of his presence in my life. And I try to um, use the wisdom and the ear to hear him and try to follow after him. So we are the feet. It is our uh, responsibility. It is a necessity that we become the witness. Now I'm going to go to the book of Mark uh, quickly here. Uh, the last chapter in Mark or either Matthew or uh, Luke, but I'm going to do Mark. Matthew, Mark, okay, because I think that's where it, I think it's easier for me to find it. Good evening, Queen Bright. It's so good you're here. God bless you. So glad you're welcome to uh, be uh, with us this evening. We surely do welcome you. Um, I am Phyllis, the host. This is Wow, What a Show. And we are talking about um, day by day living the church alive, living out the church. You are, we are the church. We are the called out ones of God and we represent him in every way. So the end of the, uh, the book of Mark, and I'm going to find it. Uh, chapter 16, verse 15. Um, well, I'm going to start with 14 and I will read it. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. See, he showed himself to some people that when people don't believe in God, you say, well, there, you know, there's a history that really um, attests to the facts. So if you believe history at all, you can believe this history because it is written in history that he did uh, indeed minister and that he was risen. So now when I was in high school, there was a, a, a chapter in my uh, history book on Christianity. It really was there. We really did read it and we really did study it. <laughs> and that's funny because they took it out. It was in the history book. And it is no longer in high school history books, but it was when I was in school. If it was in your history book, I want you to write me right now. Just send me a little uh, note and say so. I want to know who else remembers this, because definitely in, in my world history book, there it was straight away. So now he's, he upbraided them because they didn't believe. So he's, he's talking to this group of people. And he goes on to say, go you into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned or condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, the thing is, with that, right, go ye, it was a, a, a commissioning. And he's talking to a particular group of people. And whether you believe that that group of people extends to who you are, it is not even important. There's a principle that lays in here. Um Yes, so Reams is, you know, she was fortunate enough to be able to study religion in her high school uh, in Jamaica, West Indies. I'm, I'm assuming that that's right. That That's really quite wonderful that you could even study it like that. Yes, indeed. But I it was in my history book in a secular high school. It was not a course called religion. It was world history. And there was that chapter there. Of course, like I said, it's gone. But guess what? We are the feet. We are the feet of the church. We are the movers and shakers in the world as these men were commissioned. And if they could take this gospel, right, and, um, and, uh, 
it could spread, spread, spread the way it did. I really do want to read the history of the church to us. Then we are greater in number than they were. And really, through the centuries, there have been others who have taken it beyond even the the known world that then that was um um that was proselytized by Paul the apostle you know he came into the west that was by the leading of the holy spirit and then after him the all of those missionaries who took it to the east deeper into the east than even Israel Jerusalem and all in China and Japan and the Philippines and now Australia and, you know, New Zealand, the missionaries have been every which way. And then more of the uh, Western world to include all of the Americas, there has been a spread of the gospel. And we as a church are now living in a Western world where it is um, dwindling. You know, it's like other so much else is becoming uh, as strong as, and many people are flocking to different religions. And I was wondering today about this one thing. If the missionaries could take this gospel and uh, people were so set on fire, even in the Western world, you know, when you read the religious history or, or the history of Christianity in the West, People actually just, you know, they heard the gospel and they came to Christ. <laughs> and folks were just giving the gospel uh, square, just squarely. This, this is what it is, right? But today we feel like we have to do a thing thing to make folks uh, interested. I think the thing that we have to do is speak the truth and let it be known. This is what God has done. And let the chips fall where they may. If you believe it is written, if you believe, you will be saved. If you're not, then you're condemned. And Jesus Christ said, he who believes is saved. And he who believes not is already condemned. You know, so it isn't on us to make people believe. It's on us simply to be the witness and to share and to give them the opportunity to know that salvation is is for them if they want it. That's what we do. That's it. And we are the feet. And yet there's such a reluctance. There is such a drawing back from, right? And you have to wonder why. Um, so I tell you that I've been looking, you know, to find the church, really. And it came very clear to me today, uh, as I listened to Dr. McGee, he said, this is not uh, this lofty call and this feet on the ground, this movement to take the gospel throughout the world, that's not the church as in building going inside. He said, this is for the invisible church, the one that moves, the one that is universal, the one whose heart, the ones whose hearts are mended to God. We are caught up with him. We are in submission to him. And I have to ask myself, am I one of those people? Oh Lord, is it I? And if not, what shall I do to become exactly that? I remember I asked the question, if you could change uh, something about church to make it, you know, more like what we think church should be, what would it be? And I got one response that was from Fresh and uh, Spaces here. And she said that she, that she would put in more prayer. I was so impressed with that. More prayer, because I'm telling you, study in God's word and prayer leads to us hearing the voice of God. And when we hear his voice, we then, we then can hear his direction and we can also pray for the empowerment to do what he's calling us to do. And if we are serious about our relationship with him and he tells you what to do he's going to talk to you out of the out of the what he's already done to equip you to do it remember the word tells us that 
uh, the we shall do works because they were foreordained from the foundation of the world for us to do good works. That's the scripture. And, you know, for, a lot of folks will say, now, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a minister right here in my own home with my own children. Well, then what happens when the children grow up and go on out there? Are you still just that only? I I get it, you know, that sometimes your children are not born again uh, and they haven't quite come in. So you're still ministering to them. And that might be all that you are supposed to. I don't know. I'm not I'm not in any way judging anyone. I'm simply saying that whatever it is, we should be busy doing it. And the world should be showing that we have been busy doing it. Our neighborhoods, our you know, the places where we are, there should be some um, recognition of the work of the church. I want you to, I'm going to ask you also, if you believe, um, well, what do you think the main work of the church is? Now, I had a conversation with a friend last night about um, the the what what I what I think happens when people go to church. I think they go to church uh, many times and believe that the going to church is the requirement for their relationship with God. In other words, this is what I do to be in relationship with the Lord. I go to church. I don't believe, though, that uh, they understand that that's just one aspect. It, it's a command. We're supposed to gather together. You know, we're supposed to be with each other. And I do believe that being with each other serves God's purpose to both mature us and to keep us around um, a group of people, relationships building, so that we are are shined up to look more like him. Because in relationships, the tension that comes, you know, the conflicts that show up, you learn how to manage all of this and you learn how to love even beyond it. And so it, it has a great purpose. And then we are around each other, which builds us up and gives us the, uh, helps us to, you know, live in the spiritual strength because we have the perspectives of so many people, both in prayer and in the, you know, sharing of the word and in the teaching, that stuff that church does for a group of people. And then we are through that experience, we are kind of, you know, empowered by the Spirit. But we go home and we pray too. But if we are praying together in the church, certainly, certainly that church is going to thrive. I tell the story here of my girlfriend who, um, she didn't come, she came to Christ, I guess, when she was about 30 years old, maybe a little older. And immediately she became a witness. She just would, well, she was very, you know, she was a stunningly dressed woman all the time. She had done some modeling. And so she would walk down the streets of New York City and I would walk with her. Now, we had been walking down the streets of the South in, in my hometown, in the South and hers too. I would have probably been the one being whistled at because I had an awful lot of whistling going on to me. Now, why only God in heaven knows, but I'm going to tell you why I think it was because there is, you know, there's a picture of what what men were like after with with women. It was most irritating, by the way. I got to tell you, you know, you, it is nothing to brag about at all. I don't brag about it. But we were walking down the streets of New York. And so that 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 was gone. <laughs> a larger audience, you know, and Carol was absolutely all right. She was beautiful. You know, she was just dressed to the nines all the time. And how about the men were totally, totally whistling at her. When I walked down the street with her one day and I saw what was going on and it always happened. But that one day I really paid attention to it because you know what? When they, they whistled, she didn't get up. I didn't get upset either, but she didn't get upset. She was stopping and uh, if they wanted to know, she said, you know, I'll come, you can go with me to church. So she would invite them. They want to take her on a date. She wants that date to be church. And that's what she did. 
She took folks to church. Men, a lot of men went to church because they wanted a date with Carol, right? Immediate witness. And then she became captain of the prayer team at this church, Brooklyn Tabernacle. And um, they prayed 24-7. They had a team of prayer warriors set up by a minister there who later died. She was on that team and her, her prayer watch was early morning hours, like between 12 and 2, something like that. And they that they prayed. And at some point in, in Brooklyn Tab's history, the stories that you can hear out of that, that church are amazing. But we all know the story of the choir. The choir just was led by the pastor's wife who didn't read music. She wrote a whole lot of music and that choir was absolutely pressed to the nines, angelic in their uh, rendering of worship and worshipers in the church. And they did not sit in a choir stand. If you went to Brooklyn Tab, when it was time for the choir to go up to lead worship, they came from all over the church every which way you would see these people walking to that uh, stage, like, you know, the raised area there. And the worship then was very, very strong. It was a a worshiping church. And the word was phenomenal. And the, the miracles that happened as a result of the choir and the preaching, it was a great church. So then um, there is something to be said for corporate prayer. By the way, on Wednesday night prayer meeting, the church would be so packed. If you didn't get there early, you would not get a seat. They understood the power of relationship with God through prayer. And it's as if the whole church knew it because the church would simply be overloaded. You call a prayer meeting in any church I've ever been since then. And, um, you know, there might be a handful of folks there, but the uh, the whole church doesn't come out for the prayer. So and I really like that Fresh and Spaces that we recognize that prayer is a pre-preface uh, to uh, our being able to do the work of the Lord. It is true. Yes, and I could tell you so much more about that because I had an inside view from my um, uh, my friend, who was living with that, right? And um, absolutely prayer. And then something that I would add, and that is work. I believe that every person who is born again, they they need to go to church because the church is there to equip, equip, equip. But you say equip for what? The Bible says for the work of the ministry. All these people are called to equip the saints in, within for the work of ministry. But what is it ministry within? It could be. But I know there has to be ministry without because of the commission that the Lord gave when he came up just before his ascension. He said, go ye into all the earth. And we have the stories of people who have gone who have indeed given their lives, that we can even have the Bible in our hands. This is no easy matter. What has happened that we are blessed to be in a land where we can freely talk about our father and read the Bible came. uh, It it came from the shedding of blood from people who, who were committed to do what the Lord had called them to do. I mean, cruel deaths, really. And then those who were uh, adamant about the the, uh, righteousness of God being burned at the stake, being, oh my gosh, guillotine the heads. Oh, so much has happened. And here we sit very, very complacently. And uh, we don't kind of really understand or know that. Well, it is there. It is true. And so we need to be more aware. So, um, I'm going to read a little bit. You, you know what? When you read the Bible, too, just reading God's word anymore. I'm I'm doing a lot of listening as well. You know, I remember telling you guys that I am really a reader. So when the Lord told me to listen to the Gospel of John, I was really surprised. But listening to it. I picked up a whole lot 
you know, probably I picked up on a little bit before, but then I would just was hooked. I could just hear, hear, hear. And it reminds me of the scripture says, faith by, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so twofold, the reading of his word is very, very internal, right? Hearing of his word is both internal and external. In other words, you respond. It's as if I am in the studio choreographing and and you hear the music, right? That's what it does. It makes for movement. It's amazing. Sharice, I'm so glad you're here because I'm just talking again and remembering that um, last week's uh, presentation was so very good. Here, a young dancer, right, who says, I can't, I don't want to worship God indirectly. In other words, I don't want to have to go out and, um, you know, be be involved in something and let my heart be right. And Sharice, you can correct me if I'm wrong. This is how I interpreted that. Uh, my heart is right, but I'm dancing these dances. You know, I'm out here with this company and I'm doing this thing. No, I should rather go go forward and in full view, make it known to my father that I am in, I'm here to worship you, Lord. That's what I came for. I'm here to complete your calling that's what I'm here for. And if you tell me to dance this dance this way or that dance, this, you know, whatever, I am under submission to you and you alone. I am indeed, that's right, giving it over to you, submitting the gift to you. But guess what? Still feet on the ground, still movement, not just sitting in the church, not just dancing in the church. I never thought that my call from the Lord, and I, 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 he, he preached a sermon in my head. I literally heard him do it. It was not though to go and dance in churches, though I did a whole lot of it, right? And I believe he was doing something in me to teach me about what it really means to live out your your, your faith, to live it out, and not to uh, be a, a person who can't go into this place or that place. I believe that in my present understanding that I could dance in a nightclub and bring glory to my father. I believe I could go anywhere he sends me. Oh, Lord, please don't send me in some places because I am real kind of, you know, that little person. I don't I don't really want to die because you chop my head off or be burned at the stake. But I do believe that with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, these things are you know, they're just very possible. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. But. That's who we become in Christ, right? That's who we become. So um, the unity of the believer, right? I, this is I'm just looking through Ephesians. I had no, des, you know, design to read the whole thing. Only six chapters, and I'm telling you, it'll do you good to to read for yourself or to listen, whichever is your preference, and however the Holy Spirit leads you to do so. But it is good to get this word under hat. That is a really good thing. So Paul writes in the second chapter of Ephesians, starting at the 11th verse, he says, Wherefore, um, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Guys, that was us. We were not part of the Jewish nation. We didn't know God. We were those who were uncircumcised and not recognized by those who were. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in ordinances 
for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace. We're no longer uh, separated by the barrier of the law or the identification of being the circumcised or any of those things which kept Jews from Gentiles and Gentiles from Jews. And that he might he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them who were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all of the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. That's who we are. We are one in Christ. Together we make up the building. And we are, you know, um, the indwell, we are indwelt by God himself. If we are the temple, he lives in us. And if we are one, we will cooperate together to do the work of the ministry. And we probably should really study Ephesians. You know, I just pulled out there and it's so hard to do that when I, well, for me, when I read the Bible, it's hard for me to pull scriptures away from other scriptures that are just so powerful as well, because we need the context of all things. But remember, I started Ephesians in the beginning. We, the, the church, the, the, the beauty of the heavenly calling of the church is established. And then in the second part, there is then the outworkings of this calling. We are seated in heavenly places, and yet we are in the earth to do a great thing for the Lord here, for others. And we want to get a good sense of people being not in this called out group of people. Salvation is for everyone. And the same way someone prayed for us, someone gave the gospel to us, we should indeed turn around and share the gospel with someone else so that they too have access to this wonderful Father, this Creator God, who becomes our salvation. And we are, we are the feet. We are, we are that. We are the body of Jesus Christ. So we're not only the feet, of course, by feet, I mean, we're walking it out, right? But we are, we are, we are the, the body. We are his hands. We are his, whatever he's called you to be. You're that part of the body that will fulfill that calling. And really and truly, that's what I came to say tonight. And that's why we're going to read the fire next time. Because here was a man who came out of very hard circumstances, a very difficult life, who was one of the oppressed in fact, his father's parents were slaves. That's James Baldwin. Like my grandmother on my father's side was a slave. And so, you know, the the pains that go with people who live those hard lives show up. And instead of us understanding and probing a little bit to, under, to know why people have anger, why they are, you know, uh, so... Um, what is it, filled with um, ha hatred even uh, or just, you know, confused about life. We just say, no, I can't be around them. I'm not going over there. That's too hard. You could never have had my job if that was <laughs> what you're doing. And I was tempted to say, oh, Lord, I can't do this work. But let me tell you how the Lord God walked through me. And some things that happened there are even astounding to me today. God can 
God will. And Sharice writes, I can see this chapter as a beautiful lead into a day. Oh, yes, darling. Go right ahead and do it. And listen, choreograph a part for me with a bad knee. But I want to be there. We are his hands and feet. We are one. Listen to the listen to the artist here. Listen to what's what's going on in her existence, right? In in the fact that she has this access to a creative uh, form that will demonstrate something, it comes to mind. And the podcast was started at first just to talk to artists. That's why I started it. And then I began to see that the artists I had in mind were the dancers, the writers, the poets, right? The singers. But the Lord showed me that there are artists every which way. So you may not be dancer. You may not be visual artist. You may not be, you know, uh, uh, instrumentalist. You may not be. But last week we we looked at um the book of Exodus, when God poured out these art, this artistic ability of Bezalel to do all that cunning work for the building of the tabernacle. I mean, he was embroidering and knitting and probably everything else we can think of out there, back there, right? God gave it to a man. You know, that's another conversation I want to have. How is it that we somehow peg men who do these things, the, who have these artistic uh, gifts, why, why do they all always have to be uh, gay or homosexual? People put that on these people. We we put that on people. They, they're not necessarily even thinking in that direction. They're simply be, being who God made them, right? And all of a sudden, the, the, the you know, the name calling and the and that you they're ostracized. That's what Paul is saying. We go wherever. Paul said, I become all things to all men that I might win some for Christ. Be 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 where they are. Be there. And we didn't talk about why the church uh cut dance off. They did it for not so so bad reason, you know what I mean? It just became more and more. But instead of cutting people off, seems to me you would walk in to them. And give them God's good word. If they reject it, they reject it. But at least they have had an opportunity to know that God does not cut you off. God does not cut any person off. He said that Jesus came to this world. He came in here by the word and that through the word, everyone could be saved. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. Not one of us doesn't know that scripture. John 3, 16. That's who he is. That's how he is. When Jesus Christ walked the face of the earth, that's what he did. He didn't go into the, you know, the houses of the those who could uh, say, come on in, have a good old seat, and we're going to fix you a great old meal. No. He was out on the mountainside. He was out there feeding people, by the way. And yet he tells the young man who wants to follow him, you don't want to go with me. I don't have anywhere to lay my head, to call my own. He didn't live a high life. That's right. Where would we be if he he excluded people? If this group were too bad to, to go out and minister to, or those people were too highfalutin, or these people are way too educated, or those people are too dirty and stinky. How about he walked up there and delivered the Gadarean from all those demons? And he says that we will do the same thing that he does. And let me tell you, it sounds like you cannot do it, but I'm here to let you know that you can. By the Spirit of God, you can do anything he needs to have you do. That is God. He's powerful. He lives in us. And where we are, he is. Because he does live in us. The Lord is so, so, so magnificent. I think Anna told me too, Freshen says, that there's only one who should be ever referred to as awesome. And that's the real truth. It's only God. Because that word awesome has within it awe-inspiring. The the awe, it's, a, it's, it's more than what this world can even describe. God is awesome, filled 
with. He is just all, all encompassed with the glory of righteousness and, you know, just the difference of between man and, and the, the uh, creator. He's God Almighty. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And perhaps we shall, in, excuse me, indeed come back and, and study through Ephesians because I was thinking we should go through Acts to, just to see that how the church was established. But then we have this book, Ephesians, and by me studying more with my uh, my favorite teacher, who's dead and gone many moons, but his uh, all of his teachings are still here. And then we go through the Bible with him every five years. I discovered again today the book of Ephesians. And, uh, it, and it's a worthy read. So if you have naught to say, I hope you do. New level into the new live studio. Well, welcome, new level. I hope you'll come again uh, at at eight o'clock next Wednesday. You know, I really want to to podcast daily. I really do, but I'm I'm you know, I have um so many things to do in a, in my life, and work is one of them. But we will come to the season when we will podcast daily. Because they ever so often the Lord uh, tells tells us to um, do something like read the fire next time, but we're not going to be able to podcast daily because well we might we who can know we're going to read through this book. I want you to hear it, and I want you as we read to formulate your own response to James Baldwin if you could have had lunch with him. I wasn't going to talk to him about that because I hadn't read it at that time. I probably had read it, but it, that's not what was on my mind. What was on my mind when I told him I wanted to have lunch with him was his brilliance. He was so, uh, just his use of words. And and, and by that, I don't, he, he was not, um, it was not an ostentatious kind of use of words, but it was just, you know how clever people are. I, I respected and was, I admired his wit. He was so witty. And then his subject matter was so extensive with regards to the Black experience. That's what I was going to talk about with him. And uh, he doesn't know this because he never saw me again. But the mere fact that he was willing to have lunch with me left a very sweet taste in my mouth for James Baldwin. So when I uh, late uh, read uh, The Fire Next Time, um, I was really sad that somebody, someone did not answer him, dialogue with him. And I don't know that they didn't, but I've read as, you know, as much as I can on him and there's no accounting of it. But we need to be aware of the, you know, the people who are, are caught in the trap of what uh, oppression does and what they find out when they are disappointed by the church. Baldwin made a statement that salvation ends at the door of the church. In other words, you you are saved, but then you you go out and there's no there's no no catchment, there's no help, and then you go back in and you see all behind the scenes, and it's so um, sham filled in his experience. So we want to talk about that. And the only way I know to talk about it with you guys is to come and read the book. And remember, um, I would love Sharice to come back and talk even more. I would love for, well, Anna owes us, you know, she's going to come and do her, her uh, master's work with us. And I only say that because it's really a book and it's on one of the greatest novels ever written. But that book is about a woman who walked the faith. Ooh, I love it. I tell you, I just love it. And uh, so we will get to it. I also have many more writings. Um, my sister writes, if you are a writer, if you're someone or a poet, if you write essays, whatever, if you dance dances, if you sing songs, you have a perspective about living out the gospel. And I would just love to hear it. Um, so when we come again, uh, you remember, you can, you can, type down here, you leave a message and I'll get it so we can plan. Our, let's see, I see Arsa Kwame. <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. And 
Yes, please. He says, you are very welcome. I'm so glad you're here. We do start at eight o'clock every Wednesday night and uh, we're just ending tonight. We talked a, little, uh, a lot about the church as a living entity in the world, walking out the faith, carrying the witness of Jesus Christ and doing the work that we're called to do by God. If you have a distinct calling, I believe that there's so, you just have to do it. You have to do it. In working in the kingdom, you know, doing the things that the Lord has called you to do, we grow so much. You grow because you encounter uh, issues that have to be addressed spiritually. And in, when you go in, you know, you talk to the Lord, you pray about it, and you research in his word and other things that people have written, you you are better enlightened by the spirit of God. And hallelujah, indeed, Arsa. We are so grateful to be called the children of the Most High. I tell you guys, that's something to sit around and think about, isn't it? God Almighty, creator of the universe, and it's vast and it's amazing. He has set his love upon me. He actually loves me. That is a big, big, big fact and thought and contemplation and meditation. That's a lot to consider. And in loving me, because he's so, so good, we love him back. As best we know how, you walk. Think about it. He catches you every time you fall. He's a God who is faithful. He never lets you go. That's the promise, and that is the truth. And I, I have a witness of another guy from Ravi. I'll tell you later. Um, next time, not tonight. We're done here. Many, many have uh, have. Um, Oh, excuse me, worked in the kingdom of God and encountered many, many obstacles and trials and tribulations. And and they can tell you, he never lets you go. He always holds your hand. He gets you through it, picks you up, dusts you off, and sends you on into the next phase of his wonderful life. Hallelujah. With that, guys, I would love it if I had a, a singer sitting up here beside me and I'd just tell them to open their mouths and sing us a song. But we have indeed dined from a table tonight. I mean, I always dine well, you know, because I do a lot of uh, thinking and praying and reading before I come on. So I have uh, been uh, supplied, but then I'm better filled when I share it with all of you. And when you share back, it's a wonderful thing. May the Lord our God be totally praised. He is worthy. He is so worthy. I pray for every one of you to step in and live through the blessings that are uh, part of your relationship with God. It comes as a result of your salvation. Uh, Shri says, I have always called him Father, but I am going to know him more and more in this way. Amen. Amen. Just Papa is who he is, right? Daddy, come on and sit on his on his lap. Let him just hug you, be at his feet. Great blessings to you for your obedience to God and to you, my sweet. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Sharice, I didn't get to you, but I'm telling you, I invite you to come and talk a little bit more uh, about the dance. It was such a good rendering last week. It was really good. I appreciate it, and many others have also. And Anna, uh, we, we're putting you on the calendar. God bless you all. Teen and Donnie, you come to. Reams is going to read with us through uh, the fire next time. Now, go to the library. It's a, it's a very, very small book. And as I explained when we first started, we're probably going to read it in about two or three sittings. It's not that big a book. And then we will discuss um, some of the things that are on my heart. And maybe as you hear it, you will have some uh, comments to make too. So with that, thank God for what a, what a great meal. Thank you, Lord. And we go forward. Be a witness. Give him glory, right? To someone who needs to hear it. You'd be surprised at what God will do. Not on us to save them, just to be the witness. The Lord our God will draw them and give them salvation and the witness of himself. Okay, guys, see you now. May the Lord bless you until we meet again. Mm -hmm.